Hello and welcome to Alan & Overy's APAC Corporate Trust and Agency Team Series, Trust Us. I am your host, Holly Hart, from the Corporate Trust and Agency Team here in Singapore. And today we have a cracker of an episode for you. First up, we are travelling to Dubai to speak with Alana Burton, an associate in our Corporate Trust and Agency Middle East team, who has previously worked with us here in Singapore. Alana has a keen interest in legal technology and is going to guide us through the latest advanced delivery for trustees and agents. We'll discuss the latest developments that we at A&O are implementing and also speak about how advanced delivery can enhance the services provided by trustees and agents going forward. Then we'll be joined by a returning guest, Louisa Ingham, formerly of Singapore and now part of our corporate trust and agency team in London, but we won't let go of her that easily. Louisa has been working closely with our clients on the live board transition in both Asia and Europe and, as the end is nigh for eyeball quotations, she will update us on the transition to risk-free rates and explain how we are able to assist trustees and agents with the transition as we head towards eventual sunset. Finally, Tim Beach, the head of the APAC team, will join us for his KIV segment, where he will recap what he is keeping in view right now. So, to begin, hello Alana. Hello. We are so delighted to have you join us. Thank you very much for having me. It's great to be connecting with the Singapore team again. And it's also great that we've got representation from the London, the Dubai and the Singapore teams today to bring this episode. Indeed, we are one big team. Um, advanced delivery is a term that is often bantered about, but to kick us off, can you give us a brief overview of what constitutes advanced delivery? That's right, Holly. Uh, we hear advanced delivery being spoken about increasingly. Now, some of our clients listening may already be using advanced delivery. Some may be looking to use advanced delivery, and some even might be thinking that they should be using advanced delivery given the increasing emphasis that clients are placing on innovation in their business plans. Now, advanced delivery, as we term it here at A&O, is actually really wide ranging. And importantly, it encompasses both the implementation of tech and human resources. So on the tech side, this includes specific tech products, which are designed to make the daily working practices of lawyers and also clients more efficient and ultimately to try and simplify the long-winded and possibly outdated and inefficient processes. On the human resources side, this includes the employment of legal professionals and or project managers and they help provide flexible resourcing options. So what we can do is deliver from start to finish a managed legal service on client products. Mm -hmm. and if we combine both tech and human resources, what we can do is we assist clients to produce genuinely effective and bespoke solutions where we meaningfully meet clients' needs and also desired outcomes. Right, excellent, thank you. Um, yes, and, and we at A&O are adding some real substance to this conversation. Okay. How and why are we, as a law firm that services an array of financial services providers, including trustees and agents, investing in this space? So here at A&O, we've invested in a number of services, and these will come under our umbrella of advanced delivery and solutions. So some of our clients may have heard of some of our offerings. We have Pierpoint, A&O Consulting, A&O Sphere, but for the purposes of this session today, and given time, 
we're going to focus on advanced delivery. Um, and what we mean by that is it's defined by our three central teams. And that's firstly, legal tech. Secondly, advanced delivery legal, which is in Belfast. And thirdly, project management. So starting with legal tech. Now, I think this is probably the area that most might think of when we talk of advanced delivery. And what we have done and what we continue to do is we adopt the best-in-class tools to resolve the legal, the regulatory, and the transaction-related challenges of our clients. Again, clients listening might be familiar with Fuse, which is our market-leading legal tech innovation hub. And what this provides is a space where external legal tech companies, they collaboratively work with us, the lawyers, and also our clients to experiment with use cases for the cutting, the cutting edge technologies that they're working with. Mm -hmm. I mean, why though is this an important investment for us? Well, we believe that it's absolutely essential that we provide the best service for our clients. And the only way we can do this is if we have a thorough and importantly, like a constantly developing appreciation of how different technologies can assist the legal services we provide to our clients. And critically as well, what Fuse does, it enables us to work with providers to tailor the tools to assist our clients' needs. And on top of that, we also have a dedicated team of legal tech experts that provide ongoing support throughout the process. Now, as I said before, advanced delivery isn't just about tech resources. And that's where our second offering comes in, our advanced delivery legal based in Belfast. And that's home to high quality legal professionals and associates that we in the corporate trust and agency team, we work with really closely on a daily basis. And we've invested a great deal of time in working with them. They're an excellent team. And what they help us to do is to manage large scale document review exercises in a cost effective and efficient manner. And importantly, we should say that without compromising on quality. Now, having said that, they do still use tech, and they'll use tech platforms to enhance the completion of their reviews. But importantly, the human reviews are still a central part of the process. And then the third team, that's project management. And we have a dedicated team of legal project managers that oversee and mobilize the delivery of client projects. The idea being to deliver a seamless service. And again, us in the corporate trust and agency team, we're regularly engaging project managers to coordinate large scale projects in response to recent regulatory and legal change. That's a really great overview and demonstrates how you, the, the need to balance both your human and your tech tech resources to work together sort of in harmony. Have you got any specific examples that you are able to share with us? Yes, a lot in fact, but just to give you some, having just mentioned project management, we recently deployed the team when we were engaged by a whole range of our trustee clients to advise them on the whole scale substitution of issuers following changes to the Dutch VAT regime. And we were able to advise on approximately 70 CLO transactions. And this was all within a very short timetable. Now, what the project management team enabled us to do was to manage the large scale project. And another important point to mention, and what's really helpful for clients, is that project managers have certain tools 
such as Workstream trackers, which enable clients to be able to see easily and immediately the project status. Uh, to give you a flavor of some of the other ways in which we've been employing advanced delivery, we've developed platforms for high volume reviews of draft transaction documentation. Now in the trustee and agency space, as our clients will know, they have to be alert to particular provisions and operational aspects in order that they can perform their duties and their services on a transaction. And each of our clients, they have a specific set of standards, what's important to them. And one way we've been able to use advanced delivery is we've been able to combine a tech platform with our Belfast service in order to review drafts of first drafts of transaction documents for these standards. Now how this works, the initial starting point is we have that conversation and discussion with the client. We work out for them what's really important for them and, and what they're looking for in the transaction documents. And then we use a tech-enabled program where the end product is that the client can see at a glance the standards that are in the documents and those that are perhaps not drafted in the way that our clients would, would like them and the delivery of this information in such a succinct and uh, time effective way is that clients, particularly transaction managers, can hone in on the key points for negotiation on a transaction. Then a final example, we're currently using advanced delivery in the context of our LIBOR transition projects. As you've already mentioned, Holly Louise is going to talk about more and more about how we're going to, how rather we are assisting trustees and agents in this space. But just from an advanced delivery perspective, given the volume of transactions that require amendment, we're often engaging several of our advanced delivery teams at once to provide our clients with a seamless service. And going on from that, what are the benefits of advanced delivery to our clients? It's a good question. I mean, why are we doing this? Um, I think, I think firstly to say advanced delivery, it assists with managing or even solving an existing challenge in a client's business. Mm -hmm. And so I think a helpful way for clients to think about this is to consider how advanced delivery could be beneficial to them by trying to solve that challenge. And that starts with a reflection. What is it you're trying to solve? Now here at A&O, we're constantly critically examining how we can better serve our clients. And I think by starting with that challenge point, that's where we can seek to develop propositions, obviously aided by advanced delivery to truly deliver beneficial solutions to our clients. Now, another benefit of advanced delivery is cost reduction. And clients are always going to be receptive to cutting costs and cost-saving measures will always be a key point of the agenda. And I think in a post-COVID-19 world, which has posed financial challenges to some industries, I think this will continue to be a key consideration for our clients. But having said that, cost reduction isn't the only benefit and clients are moving away from this. And they also want a streamlining of processes. And if we use legal tech, and, it will, and or employ a flexible resourcing option, we can provide a more efficient way of delivering to our clients. And then what this does in turn is it frees us up in order to be able to add real value to the transactions where our clients need it most. And then I think linked in with the streamlining of services, 
is consistency of service. Now here at ANO, we had a market we had a market first legal innovation benchmarking report that was carried out, and one of the most important drivers of innovation for clients was better quality and consistency of service. And again, by using some of these world-class tech tools and teams of high-quality professionals, we can really help to better manage risk for our clients. Wonderful. So it sounds as though there's some productive times ahead in this space. Uh, look, one last question. How can advanced delivery continue to enhance trustees and agents in the future? I think as our clients will appreciate, this is a really quick moving and it's an ever evolving area. And I think one of the main points that we're mindful of here in corporate trust and agency team, and this is a point that I would encourage clients to be mindful of too, is the need to continue to be open-minded and to those opportunities in order to reinvent and try and improve working practices and outcomes. So. Whatever the challenge is, it's the ability to use innovation to try and overcome it. And doing this puts clients in a really strong position in order to be able to face market challenges. And that's where we in the corporate trustee agency and agency team, we can come in to help here. And I think probably to, to finish, it's a really exciting time for our clients. And I, I speak on behalf of the corporate trust and agency team here, where we're really inspired by the work that we're doing in this area with our clients. And we're also really looking forward to continuing to have opportunities to work alongside our clients to face the legal, latest legal developments. And of course, fully equipped with the assistance of advanced delivery. Look, thank you so much, Alana, for those invaluable insights. Um, it sounds like the future for all of us, clients and ourselves, is embracing innovation. Um, if anyone would like to discuss this further, please do reach out to any of our team by email, uh, email for a follow-up conversation. Alana, it was wonderful to have you here with us today. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Holly. Okay, now it's time to head to London to speak with Louisa Ingham, formerly an associate, associate in the uh, APAC Corporate Trust and Agency team, and now having returned home. Louisa and the London Corporate Trust and Agency team have been assisting several of our clients with their transition to risk-free rates as the sun rapidly sets on LIBOR quotations. She is joining us today to bring us up to speed on the transition process and speak to how we are able to assist all of you, our clients, with the required changes. Hello, Louisa. Holly, thanks for having me back. Hello, it is brilliant to be speaking with you again, my friend. First up, can you give us a very quick recap of how we got here? Yeah, sure. Um, so back in 2017, which now seems like a lifetime ago, uh, the <laughs> FCA announced that the discontinuation of LIBOR was going to happen, affecting approximately $300 trillion worth of financial contracts, which includes derivatives, bonds, loans, etc. Um, the problem with LIBOR stems from the fact that the underlying market LIBOR measures is no longer a liquid market. So the transaction volume in the market is on the decline as banks do not fund themselves through the same interbank unsecured market anymore. And as a result, LIBOR is increasingly based on expert judgment and the underlying transactions supporting the LIBOR fixings are more limited. This in turn has resulted in UK regulators concluding that it is no longer suitable for ongoing use. Um, we care about this because LIBOR is embedded in many of our clients' operating models and deal portfolios and tra transitioning to alternative rates 
will affect how contracts are priced going forward and also how related risks are therefore managed going forward. Um, just a brief reminder on timings um, as, as up till now. Um, on the 5th of March this year, the FCA confirmed that the discontinuation would take place in a staged manner with one week and two month USD LIBOR becoming unavailable from the end of 2021. All other USD LIBOR settings continuing until June 2023, but all other forms of LIBOR, i.e. Uh, pound sterling, euro, Swiss franc, Japanese yen, ceasing to be published after December 31st of this year, 2021. Okay, and what does this mean for agents and trustees in particular? You know, what, what deals on their books are, they, are likely to be impacted and are there any other red flags to suggest that a deal would be caught up in this? Yeah, sure. Uh, for agents and trustees in particular, uh, this means that any existing transactions which reference LIBOR and whose maturity extends beyond the end of this year, 2021, will likely require amendments that either A, envisage an alternative risk-free rate and any spread adjustment, or B, include the use of an appropriate fallback which will apply upon the cessation of LIBOR, um, each to reflect the commercial intentions of parties in a post-LIBOR discontinuation world. Deals impacted uh, in general include the great majority of floating rate financings on which trustees and agents are involved. Um, this includes, for example, structured finance, repacks, corporate transactions, etc. Um, talking about flags, I'd say the main flag to suggest a deal is caught up in this LIBOR remediation is any deal with an interest or similar payment obligation calculated by reference to LIBOR. RC TA clients will be caught up in that where they are a trustee agent or perhaps holding a role in addition to trustee or agent whereby they have the responsibility to make a rate calculation on which they might be required to be for example involved in the reference bank fallback process which is likely to fail um, B they could be involved in the express LIBOR cessation fallback process or C, perhaps where a trustee or facility agent has an obligation to, to, or power to determine a specific rate of interest where another party uh, in the transaction has failed to do so and a consent solicitation in that, in that case may be required. In addition to this, uh, any legacy deals which don't expressly provide for LIBOR transition or cessation as these may well result in a trustee having to exercise discretion, which is unlikely or to seek the consent of holders through, for example, holding meetings um, in order for the commercial parties to the deal to consent to such a replacement rate. Okay, an important question for the legal counsel and, and the in-house counsel on the call. Um, procedurally and from a documentary perspective, what changes should our clients expect to see to address these changes? Sure, well, I, from a documentary perspective, uh, we need to ensure first and foremost that any new capital markets transactions which reference a floating rate have wording added, which mm -hmm. provides for appropriate fallbacks in the event of the cessation of LIBOR, defined often we're seeing as, as a benchmark rate modification event, mm -hmm. or which offer alternatives to LIBOR, being an alternative benchmark rate, i.e. SONIA in most sterling denominated debt issuances, for example. Um, this wording will often state that the trustee or the representative of the holders should be obliged to agree with the issuer in making such modifications so long as it doesn't increase the obligations or duties and equally doesn't decrease the rights or protections of said trustee. 
uh, and also provided further that agents are able to operate new rates. Where the above modern cessation wording is not included, uh, the majority of such amendments will require the consent of a certain proportion of note holders and will most often require the consent of all the transaction parties, i.e. to flag that you know, just sending a simple notice to the relevant clearing system or market would not be enough in this case, um, that, that more would be required. Um, trustees will be expected to engage with issuers and other counterparties as well as part of such implementation process, uh, even if, as a general rule, they shouldn't be expected to be involved with preparing the detail of the proposed amendments or, or you know, they or spearheading the process itself. Um, where note holder meetings are required, such meetings will be held in accordance with the meeting provisions in a trust deed. Um, obviously, it should be taken into account that these take time, approximately 30 to 40 days from start to finish, and inevitably cost money. Um, consent solicitations may also take place whereby holders may be offered a cash or other incentive in exchange for their consent. It should be mentioned here that there continues to be uncertainty as to the scope and availability of what we call tough legacy legislative provisions. And UK government legislation remains unclear um, up, you know, to date on the extent to which the continued use of modified libel will be permitted. As a result, it remains to be seen whether such provisions will require for the orderly transition to a new benchmark or rate upon the occurrence of libel discontinuation. Right. Uh, okay, so finally, what are some of the ways that we have assisted uh, to implement such transitions for our clients? Well, as a firm, uh, you know, uh, above and beyond our team, uh, we have won numerous global mandates to advise financial institutions and banks on their LIBOR transition procedures in general. Um, more specifically, our global corporate trustee, corporate trust and agency team have been mandated to advise three of our major clients, as well as a number of other clients on a more ad hoc basis. Um, in those circumstances, primarily we're advising trustees and agents on generally their DCM and loan agency portfolios. Um, the advice we as a global CCNA team are providing is, is technical and strategic, and we're focusing in particular on consent solicitations, exercises of discretion if they're relevant, uh, and other, for example, regulatory hurdles in prompting borrowers and lenders to, to, to actually reach an agreement on this. Um, as an example, for a few clients um, who we've act we are acting for, uh, we've completed the outreach stage earlier, uh, earlier in the year, during which after extensive DD, after an extensive DD process, um, we have we reached out to issuers on any deals which had outstanding series of floating rate notes maturing after the planned discontinuation of the relevant libels at the end of 2021. And in those, those cases, we were alerting the issuers to the fact that they should consider the terms of the notes to determine the consequences of the cessation and whether amendments to the actual terms of the notes would be required before LIBOR ceases to be available. Um, in many cases, it is likely uh, it is likely that any amendments to the terms of the notes will require holder consent. And for some clients, we've already begun dealing with numerous consent solicitations for DCM deals, for example, and also bilateral or multilateral agreed amendments, which is generally in the bank debt space. Um, we are also working 
uh, with our clients designing plan B strategies for these trustees to deal with tough legacy or non-responsive transactions that might still be in place come 1st of January 2022, work in progress. Mm -hmm. um, I hope that gives everyone a brief idea of where we are at the moment. Obviously, there's a lot in flux uh, all the time when it comes to LIBOR. Mm -hmm. Um, and please do get in contact uh, with me or any of the other team with any questions or queries going forward. Excellent. Uh, thank you, Louisa. That that was a really practical, useful discussion of the, the status quo. Much appreciated. Thank you so much. Thanks, Holly. Thanks. Okay. And finally, uh, now we will welcome Tim Beach, the head of our APAC Corp Trust and Agency team, for our regular KIV segment to find out what he is keeping in view at present. Hello, Tim. Hi, Holly. Uh, just one quick point for me today, and that's to highlight the trend that we're seeing for holders to consider replacing trustees on defaulted bonds. Mm -hmm. uh, we're seeing that mainly for two reasons at the moment. First, in circumstances where a formal restructuring procedure, for example, in the PRC, results in the distribution to bondholders of a type of asset that the existing trustee isn't able to hold. Um, for example, that might be Chinese equity or interest in a, in a Chinese trust platform. The second reason is where holders might want to take some form of uh, enforcement action or litigation, but they might be wanting, uh, the trustee might be wanting funding or indemnification beyond the level that the holders are happy to provide. And, and they might feel there's, a, there's another trustee that can help them uh, with different requirements. So in either of these circumstances, there can be benefits both for the holders and the trustee in the appointment of a, a replacement trustee. The original trustee can be released from what is a difficult position in which it's not able for whatever the reason is to, to help achieve the outcome that the holders are seeking. And the holders get a new trustee put in who's, who's better able to help. In those circumstances, it's better if the holders remove the trustee by uh, passing an appropriate resolution. That's not a contentious or a difficult process. And from the trustee's perspective, it avoids any potential suggestion that the trustee is walking away somehow from performing its duties, uh, which obviously you know, isn't something that, that any of our professional trustee clients would ever do. In some cases, the holders might wish to take on the trusteeship themselves, uh, either because there's maybe a sole holder who, who feels they can take it on or one holder's happy to represent all of the holders. But in other cases, it, it might lead to opportunities for some of uh, the, the, the smaller independent trustees who might have more flexibility in their approach in the sorts of circumstances that I've discussed from, from some of the larger institutional trustees. So if you find yourselves in a situation where you know, you're a trustee and you aren't able, you aren't able to act for whatever reason uh, to follow a direction that the holders are looking to give, it, it might be worth considering you know, whether it's worth a discussion with the holders around potentially a, a replacement in order to, uh, to hopefully make things happen a little bit more smoothly. That was Excellent. my thoughts for this week, Holly. Thank you. Great. Thanks so much, Tim. Well, that brings us to the end of today's session. Thank you to Alana, Louisa and Tim. Uh, whilst there is plenty more to explore on each topic, we hope we've given you a good overview of a couple of key issues. As always, questions, comments and feedback are warmly welcome. You can reach out to any member of our team via email. Please share this episode of the podcast with your colleagues and encourage them to reach out to you if, if there is anything they would like us to address on future episodes so that we can bring that content to you. Thank you all so much for listening and we look forward to speaking with you all again very soon. Cheers.